Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Wherever you are listening from, all over our precious Mother Earth, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our service entitled, Take a Leap. My wish is that the food for thought offered brings great nourishment for your soul. Our ministry for the goddess is supported solely by those like you who partake of its teachings, and we are currently running our annual pledge drive. If you feel served by listening, please go to our website, www.gaiastemple.org. Click on the Support Us button to make your pledge, and then push the Donate button and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you, and blessed be. So, you know, I am just endlessly fascinated with our place in the universe, which is an understatement, really, for me. Nature expands beyond just our planet. She extends out to our galaxy and the entire universe. We are part of something quite vast, and there's no doubt in my mind that we are part of a great experiment. Although I will say that we do have a rather special ecosystem here on Gaia that is not evident on other planets. So maybe ours is not special per se, but we don't find conditions as we know them here on Mother Earth now on other celestial bodies. I think this speaks to uh, the special aspects of life on sensual Earth with all of its dense matter and interactions. So I love looking at that big cosmic picture and the wonder that it brings to my heart and my soul when I do. Because, you know, onward we go, continuing on the wheel of year, of the year, our orbital journey around the sun. This is my, my example. This is the heavens, the story. You see the altar cloth has stars on it. And there we are, shining in the universe. Okay. And so um, our wheel of the year, which is constellated by our sun in the center of it, is a zodiac. It's a, it's a zodiac in the fabric of the universe. Now, a zodiac is a circle of animals, right? The zoo-zoo part is where we get the word zoo. It's like our signature in the cosmos, indicating that we here are animate. We are animate animals. We move in the flow of time. And so speaking of time, this month, I'd like us to contemplate that it is both a leap year and there is an additional significant cosmic occurrence that is happening right now. And to contemplate these uh, together with the intention and in support of our taking an evolutionary leap, a soulful leap, a leap forward in our spiritual growth. So first a bit about leap year, which does not truly mean that we actually have an extra day this year. Rather, it means we are adding in time that we already snipped off the calendar because the ancient patriarchs wanted us to reckon time by evenly divisible numbers. It actually takes 365.2422 days for Mother Earth to fully orbit the sun. And so to even that up, the .2422 part was snipped away on the calendar but to retain our actual position in time in our orbit, we had to pick up that lost time somewhere. And so every four years we do, and we call it leap year. We give ourselves the extra time back in one great leap forward with an extra day. 
Yeah, so the ancient patriarchs who created uh, the ways we reckon time did not like the math. They didn't like the fact that lunations also are not divisible evenly. One lunation, that is from new moon to new moon, is approximately 29.530589 days, or 29 days, 12 hours, 44 minutes, and three seconds. Can't divide that evenly. And although that is what occurs 13 times in one solar year, um, anyway, so instead of the lunations of the moons or the months, uh, they were designated different time spans, right? Some are 30 days, some are 31 days, except for one month a year, which is February, which only gets 28, and then a leap year becomes 29. I mean, my goodness. I thought I was a control enthusiast. So, uh, yeah, anyway, this is, uh, all of it adds up to what is naturally occurring in the cosmos. And this is the calendar that we've all agreed to abide by, and because we agree, we accept it as truth. So that's a rather basic explanation of a very grand cosmic phenomenon. But I wanted us to consider the concept of a leap year, a time when we take a great leap forward in time, when we don't have to slog through something to understand and integrate and practice and enact it. We can think of it as a time that affords us the opportunity to take a big evolutionary leap, like from here to there, without all of this in between. And when we look through our spiritual eyes, we might see this as an opportunity to make a great leap in progress more easily than usual. So it's a good idea to have a potent intention for this evolutionary leap. That's the plan I'm suggesting for us today. Now, as one of the planets, I'm going to get very cosmic here today, I'm just telling you. We're going to be out there in the cosmos the whole time. But we grounded ourselves, so we won't float away. <laughs> as one of the planets in our galaxy, we are influenced by the magnetic and radiant nature of the universe. And we have noticed, based on centuries and centuries of observation, that the movements of the planets in their orbit have repeat patterns. And we further noted that there are certain social occurrences on Earth here spurred into common manifestation by these repeated patterns. So we can look to see over the centuries, oh, when the planets were in this particular constellation, this occurred. Huh, next time that was there, the same sort of thing occurred. Huh, again and again and again, there are patterns. And there's a rhythm to the orbit of these planets too, because not all of them travel at the same speed. Not all of them have perfectly circular orbits. Some are elliptical. And some are much closer to the sun, and some are way further out from the sun, which means that the outer planets take longer to orbit completely uh, around the sun because of their distance, right? So like Mars, for instance, well, we go around the sun in one year. Mars takes two years, right? And, and on and on, not sequentially like that. But those outer planets take much longer because they have a lot further to go. So, these planetary orbits and interactions are the basis of astrology, which is the study of the planets in dynamic relationship to one another and the stars in our galaxy. This dynamic, created by the movement of the planets in their orbit, is why and how we feel and are affected by it. 
dare I say, animated by it. So the zodiac above us is sectioned into 12 houses in a circle assigned to the stars, the constellations in this part of our Milky Way. We read the stars as a language, and in this language, the celestial being that we named Pluto just moved in his transit from Capricorn to Aquarius, from the sea goat to the water bearer in our zodiac. Now, Pluto recently demoted from planet status, but I can't help but still think of it as a planet, is the farthest in the distance from our sun in our galaxy that we've discovered yet anyway. He's been in Capricorn for the last 15 years, but he hasn't been in Aquarius for 226 years because he's got to go all the way around the zodiac to come back to Aquarius. It took that long for him to come fully around. Now Earth, the third rock from the sun, as I said, travels through the entire zodiac each year, but Pluto takes over two centuries reckoned in Earth time to return to any one particular sign in its orbit. And for this reason, the influence of Pluto, when it transits through a sign, lasts for generations. Pluto first entered Aquarius this time on March 23rd of last year, 2023, and he's been retrograding back and forth, back into Capricorn, forward into Aquarius, back and forth this way, uh, but it just moved into Aquarius on January 20th last month. And there's going to be one more retrograde period later this year in the autumn from September 1st through November 19th, election season. <laughs> And then it will move into and stay in Aquarius for 19 years until March 8th, 2043. The next time it will be in Aquarius is the year 2250. Wow, kind of boggles the mind when you really think about it. And while none of us will be here for that, we are here for Pluto moving into Aquarius right now. So what's the big deal? So what? So Pluto's moved into Aquarius. So what? Here's the so what. Astrologer Chani Nicholas, if you don't know her, follow her, she's amazing, tells us, and this is a quote from her newsletter, that Pluto is a transformer. It, its visits change everything. As the planet of wealth, power, secrets, mystery, and shadow journeys, Pluto teaches us that life is an unstoppable force. It unfurls from the fertile decay of the compost heap. Its fungi fans from the rot of a tree. Its lotus flower blooms within a bed of mud. Pluto magic is all about rebirth, she says. Whenever new growth emerges from a dark night of the soul, trust that the CEO of the underworld journey is involved. Now, of course, we all know that dark nights of the soul are not fun. They're necessary, but not fun. And to get the good from them, we must go through them. This is not something we can jump over. Now, fortunately for us, Chani says, this slow-moving planet gives us ample time to absorb the profundity of its lessons. Pluto demands stamina, courage, and ruthless honesty 
If we commit to unearthing our potency, the barren of buried treasure will transform the lead of our lives into gold. I love that alchemical nod there. So I want to address something specifically about ruthless honesty, because when I saw those words, like a little red flag went up. I used to think that ruthless honesty meant blurting out the truth any way that I could. That ruthless meant fast and furious. And looking up the word ruthless, you find words like cruel, callous, brutal, merciless, which Pluto can often be perceived and experienced as. But now I know that honesty doesn't have to be ruthless. It doesn't have to tell the truth as if it's an assault. We can speak the truth kindly, tactfully, sensitively. We can tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but the truth non-violently. Pluto doesn't shy away from the truth, but we needn't perceive it as a weapon. What if we perceive truth as medicine instead? If we administered it kindly? So Chani goes on to tell us, Pluto will make you feel wildly in tune with your innermost self. But it requires that you listen to the subterranean whispers. It asks that you trust the voice deep inside you. It urges you to open up the doors of your psyche that are covered in caution tape. Whatever Pluto asks you to leave behind in the underworld, know that it is clearing space for something even more fulfilling. Nice. Let's perceive this celestial occurrence through the characteristics that we have assigned the signs and planets. So Pluto is the archetype of the Greek god Hades, the lord of the underworld, who is a master of the undercurrents, known for his ability to probe deeply into the foundation of things. He's also known for his rather relentless nature. His energy is felt intensely, and so it's wise to have some skill sets in place when working with the changes that Pluto brings, because those changes can happen, do happen, from the very bottom layer in the deep, and they can bring us to our knees. So Pluto's been a Capricorn for the past 15 years, and Capricorn is an Earth sign ruled by Saturn, which represents the established order, existing structures, and systems and traditions. So Pluto has been transiting through Capricorn since 2009. Think of all the ways that Pluto has shown us the undercurrent, the underbelly, what is usually hidden from us in our established social systems since 2009. Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, just to name a few on the tip of my tongue. Pluto's deep, penetrating power has revealed what is at the root of white supremacy, misogyny, xenophobia, homophobia. It has unearthed the corruption at the highest factions of our society for all to see, for whoever has their eyes open and is willing to look. And now, Pluto just moved into Aquarius, which is the archetype of the water bearer and can often be associated with the star card in the tarot deck, which is usually depicted as a woman pouring water from a vessel. The star card to me is like the, 
the best card in the whole deck. Aquarius is one of the two signs that is depicted as human, the other being the Gemini twins, uh, showing us that humans are animals in the zodiac too. Most people mistake Aquarius for a water sign because she's the water bearer, but she's actually an air sign. And um, she's an air sign that is embodying the philosophy of the collective good. She has collected the waters of life and now she pours them out equally to all. Aquarius wants everyone to be treated fairly and works for the highest good of all. Aquarius is a visionary in which fairness and equality rule supreme. So Capricorn, where Pluto was, is ruled by Saturn, but Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. And Uranus is the planet of sudden revolutionary change. It's the maverick, the spark that lights the fire. Its energy is like the tower in the tarot card. It comes with a sound effect. <laughs> we can expect that Pluto's move into Aquarius will cause transformations all around the world. Now, Chani Nicholas tells us that Uranus is revolutionary energy. It's itchy, loud, rude, feral, freedom-seeking, riled up, and ready to break with tradition at any cost. Yeah, it's serious. So here we were, all hunkered down, earthy and grounded-like in the established order, the long-standing traditions of things that we've become cozy and familiar with. And now Pluto, the planet of growth and evolution, enters Aquarius, the sign that's unafraid of radical shifts and leaps because it knows that change has always preceded progress. And it comes in as fast as air and blows the lid right off of everything. We're seeing this already, aren't we? This suddenness can be totally disconcerting. So we might find ourselves bracing against the impact. But I learned long ago that when you see something coming at you, bracing for it, becoming rigid, which the body thinks is actually making us stronger, is not always the right response. Softening is the right response when we see something coming at us that we can't control feels totally counterproductive, but it isn't. Softening, because when we keep our knees loose and we stay fluid, we lessen the negative impact of a sudden change because we're more easily able to go with it. It's like the car accident where the driver sees it coming and braces herself for impact, takes the hit, and is severely injured. But the friend asleep in the back seat is barely harmed because her body is, remains soft and flexible in her state of slumber which doesn't mean go back to sleep, it just means don't brace for impact. Now Pluto, Pluto transiting into Aquarius brings an impact for sure. But that impact is a great catalyst for the changes we might need both in our personal lives and for sure the ones we need so badly in our world. So that, my friends, is why this is a big deal. Because Pluto, the great transformer, has entered the sign of social conscience and consciousness. The last time Pluto was in Aquarius, it spurred on the American Revolution from April 19, 1975 to September 3, 1983. And then the French Revolution from 1787 until 1799. Surely both of these revolutions were about breaking away from the tyranny 
and inequity of established orders. When I read that in my research preparing this service, I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Then I remembered John Lennon singing to us, you say you want a revolution, well, you know. And then he goes on, well, when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? Like John, I'm also a pacifist, and because I want all wars to stop and no new ones to begin, because I think that giving peace a chance is right action, and because the particular constellation of planets in our galaxy in relation to the stars in this moment create a great template for social change. And because this is a leap year, the time when we take a big leap forward to sort of catch up to the truth of cosmic time, I then thought, hmm, now what if we envisioned a different kind of revolution, a nonviolent revolution? If Aquarius is the philosophy of the highest good of all, the good does not include harm. So what if we had a revolution that wasn't violent. Evolution is defined, evolution is defined as a process of continuous change from a lower, simpler, or worse to a higher, more complex, or better state. Revolution is defined as a sudden, radical, or complete change. And with regard to political organization, it refers to the overthrow or renunciation of one government or ruler with the substitution of another by the governed. Sudden change needn't be violent. Evolutionary and revolutionary change needn't be violent. Change can happen quickly, with no harm, no bloodshed, no war. We can revolt against something we find revolting without being violent. But first, we must imagine it happening nonviolently. We must envision how the changes that Pluto will bring in Aquarius for the collective good not the elite few and wealthy, but for all of us, how those changes can occur without violence. So if you would, please close your eyes and go within. I'm going to lead us on a guided visualization so we can conjure this up in our consciousness and use that template to live into. Take a nice deep breath. Reestablish your grounding cord down in the earth that you set down at the beginning of the service. And if you didn't do that or came in later, ground yourself now. And then bring your attention as we usually do to your third eye in the center of your forehead. And imagine it like an actual eye, like your other two. Go ahead and open it up, look out through it into your imagination, and find yourself in front of your preferred news source. Now, whether that's a newspaper, or it's on television, or online, or that special person in your life who keeps you up to date on current affairs. Find yourself in front of that news source. And the news that you are receiving, whether by reading headlines or articles, listening to newscasters, panels, or podcasts, or your friends speaking about it, is un 
unprecedented. Peace breaks out. Everywhere, all over the world, world leaders are calling for ceasefires and they are using their country's resources to send soldiers home and provide them with whatever is needed for their healing. People everywhere are laying down the guns. Arguments have ceased. Violence is finished. Now there's a part of you that thinks you must be dreaming this, but you're not. It's true. All the wisdom teachings from all the faith paths from time immemorial about peace and love being the way, the right motivation for all interactions everywhere is finally permeating and taking root in the consciousness and hearts of people everywhere, all over the globe, from the highest officials in power down to the school children's squabbles on the playground, in homes, in schools, at work, in all social settings, in all institutions, in all social systems, violence ceases now. We might still have different viewpoints. We might not see everything eye to eye, but our differences do not cause violence or harm. Even in our very own thoughts, peace breaks out. An ancient quiet is heard, a visceral relief. And in this place of quiet relief, there's room for discussion, for the sharing of viewpoints without contention. There's a desire in all hearts that shifts from wanting to be right to wanting to understand. A shift from feeling fearful to feeling empathy for one another. A relatedness that once felt threatening now feels like belonging. As if the constructs of fear and scarcity that have held sway for so long dissolve through the power of love. And this desire is felt in every heart throughout humanity. This is the news you are receiving. And as it lands in your awareness, it lands within you too. You get immediately on board with this sudden and blessed change. You can feel how easy it is to let go of grudges and judgments of slights and wounds. They fall away as if they are nothing. You can feel how much you want to leave those behind you as you move forward into this new way of being. So take a moment now to contemplate this change, how deep it goes, how far reaching. Think about how you will behave now due to these changes in your life by the absence of violence, including the absence of your own violent thoughts. Think about what our future might look like in this beautiful new way of interacting peacefully with one another on our beautiful Mother Gaia.
breathe deeply and take this vision deeply into your cells. Take in the idea that revolution, that our evolution, our betterment will be nonviolent, that no one need be harmed moving forward, that Pluto's probing power brings an Aquarian awakening to a completely loving consciousness for every single one of us. Breathe that in and let it take hold within you. And then when you're ready, gently open your eyes and come back here to our sanctuary together. Now, some might say that's magical thinking. I don't know, we're here as a community of magic makers. I think that's our realm and our skill set. We can choose this vision for our world, we can. We can envision it and then we must trust it, which is easier to do by participating in it. Peace on earth occurs when each one of us becomes peaceful. Some of us become peaceful faster than others. So part of the skill set is learning to maintain that peacefulness even in the face of other people who haven't gotten there yet. This is the year for that, my friends, for sure. So we have a beautiful song that uh, is by Wendy Rule that we're going to play now. We have a recording of it because she couldn't make it or zoom in. And so whenever you're ready, Dane, go ahead and play that song for us.
You know, when I first heard Wendy's lyric, fear is power to the brave, it just stopped me in my tracks. Because like many of us, I am a uh, fearful person. I am afraid of loss, I'm afraid of judgment, I'm afraid of pain, I'm afraid of violence. When I heard Wendy sing, fear is power to the brave, it gave me something to grab onto in the face of my fears. Oh, fear is a power. And that power can be transmuted to support my bravery. Huh. That's an interesting thing. That's a good life hack right there. We are never braver than when we face and vanquish a fear. 
We are invincible once we do that. Fear is power to the brave. Let's choose to be brave, my friends. Brave enough to make the changes we know are crucial for us and our world right now. Not violent, but brave. Present. To be unafraid to make this serious change. To meet the suddenness of this Aquarian energy through the probing powder, power of Pluto. Bravely. To dare to meet it undefended. This is good to consider as our evolutionary leap in the big picture for the highest good of all. And I would also encourage each of us to consider this on a personal level as well. What's the thing that you fear or the thing that fear has you tethered to in an old, outdated, and useless way? What's the evolutionary leap you want to make for your own personal life? And while we might think that that's a selfish thing, I don't think it's selfish at all. That would be a good thing to meditate on and know for yourself. A good thing to use this Pluto transit to work with because the more of us who do that personal work, not to the exclusion of what we need to do for all of humanity, of course, but on a more personal level as well, the sooner we will see all the changes that we truly desire in our world. We each have a part in that. Every one of us, we each have to do our part within ourselves so that we can join a collective that has done its work. That's how it happens. So my friends, as early spring brings longer days and February 29th draws near, that rarity, may love be the ocean that keeps you afloat. May your fear become the power that emboldens you that makes you brave to drop violence in all you do and to be so loving that you disarm violence in your sphere of influence. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. May all our consciousnesses open and embrace peace. Blessed be. So this is where we open up our floor 